Okay, here we go. I'm Chris William, and welcome to this online virtual dialogue. I executive producer and moderator of the long-running Carolina Business Review seen each week on public television across this uh, region, including North and South Carolina. Joining me now uh, from his home office and also has been a guest on our program, uh, we are glad to welcome the President and Chief Executive Officer of the North Carolina Chamber, Gary Salamito. Gary, uh, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Chris. It's good to see you again. Thank you, and, and good to see you. You know, we were talking before this, Gary, when do you think that we all will have a level of comfort to be able to not just do this virtually, but get together over coffee, have breakfast, have lunch? Are, are people doing it? Are they waiting for other folks to do it? When does that look like? Yeah, I think it's going to be very individually dependent, Chris, as to what people are comfortable with and what they know and who they know and where they go. I think it's going to, a whole lot's going to depend on individual comfort. You know, I, we believe, I believe that people intently want to take care of each other and that they don't want to get someone else sick or they don't want to get them sick themselves. So they're going to take a little extra caution. They're going to be a little slower to come back to what they do. When they do come back, they're going to be socially distancing. Some will wear masks in order to do that. And I think they're going to be careful. They're going to wash their hands. They're, they're going to be careful. So anytime now. What, what? When you look across the state, Gary, what's the anecdotal evidence? Because that tends to be this, the, 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 the empirical evidence that shows up as anecdotally. What, what are you hearing about a, a restart now that we're into phase one? Yeah, well, we continue to hear from businesses of all sizes and from all sectors is that they're ready to begin reopening safely now. From a small diner in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, who has you know, 12 tables and eight bar stools, that you know needs to reopen to take care of their family and is taking care of their community now through some carry out to others that uh, are saying you know we can do this to a bunch of folks that are doing it remotely already with it so relaunching and reopening particularly for uh, our smaller businesses is a really really important it's their livelihood it's their family their employees of their family so it's been particularly hard for them so we're hearing a sense of urgency we're hearing a sense of concern, uh, not concern necessarily about how much money they're going to make, not a concern about that at all. It's a concern about how do I take care of my people? How do I rebuild my community? Someone called what we're going through now an engineered recession. In other words, it was man-made. Does that give us, does that give us the hope that it also can be turned back on? That's the first question. The second question is how long of a tail do you see North Carolina not getting back to normal, Gary, because you probably know better than most that it's a Herculean effort. But how long do you think it'll take us to get back to 50 or 60 or 80 percent? Yeah, it's, it's a really tough question, Chris, because none of us have been here before. I think the Wall Street Journal the other day said, you know, in two months, we've lost 10 years of job growth. Yeah. With it. So with that, that hasn't happened since, gosh, the 30s, right? Since the Great Recession, almost 30s, 40s is what the journal said. So I think it's going to be slow. I think uh, it's not going to be, I couldn't put a, a time frame on it other than it's going to be years before we get back to where we were pre-COVID-19. Our state was doing great. Our state still is doing great and our state will do great. Uh, but we're going to have to be patient. Uh, you know, again, people are going to come back at different rates. Uh, companies are going to hire back at different rates than, than they were before. So the question is, remain, is it going to be a one-for-one one when uh, businesses reopen? I, I would hesitate to say no. Businesses are going to be cautious. People are going to be cautious. Consumer confidence is going to be cautious. People are not going to be taking trips like they used to. They may be taking shorter vacations. 
So you put all that into a test tube, it'll take longer than we expect probably. The PPP has been wildly, widely heralded as uneven and rough. And of course it would be because trying to distribute money from the feds or even from the state level at, at those kind of volumes is, is, is pretty amazing in itself. When PPP, when that funding, when those loans, whether forgivable or not, run out, do we see another dip, Gary, or do you feel like the natural order of expansion will take over what PPP was trying to accomplish? Yeah, I, I think in a natural order will, will take over eventually. You know, that when there's a regular flow of cash because people are going out and people are, are engaging in the economy again, there'll be a regular flow. And uh, there'll be, you know, I think uh, in the restaurant association, it'll particularly tragic, but it'll, it's indicative of what will happen for restaurants that have been closed 90 days, over two thirds of them will never open again. But, so uh, that's from the restaurant folks are saying that. So while the, the money will be there, there'll be fewer places for it to go with it. So the economy will begin to take over again, albeit slower, I'll be more cautious. And so, you know, PPP money is going to get a good number of businesses through but the expansion and how quickly those businesses and how many survive is going to be hard to tell. General Assembly, specifically in North Carolina, the General Assembly's uh, had to quickly rethink funding and funding formulas mm -hmm. in the near term. Uh, by and large, most of the spending they do is around education, public education. Does that funding formula change? Does the way that they deploy money not necessarily grow or shrink, but does the way that they, they distribute these monies to public education change? I hope so. Uh, I think uh, the, everything that we're seeing right now, it, things have changed, right? When we look forward and we look how you know, young people are learning virtually for the length of time they're working virtually. We were kidding around the other day. There's never going to be a snow day again. Now that we learned that we can do Zoom virtually. There's no reason for a snow day. So is there any reason to have to worry about the you know, funding for the kids in the seats, right? It's how many kids are there. So I think we have to look and be innovative and creative and use what we've learned in this opportunity to say, maybe there's a different way to fund things based upon how the kids are going. The biggest challenge is there's a number of kids that are not in a position to, to Zoom, right? And so what does that mean for broadband and what is that role uh, in the education funding source? I, I don't know. Uh, how, can, how can more kids be served if we can get this virtual thing right? Uh, how's less school miss? How can we tutor differently? There's all different types of uh, opportunities now through what we've learned through the pandemic that we should look at funding and we should look at rewarding and funding the things that are working, that are changing, that are innovating at the rate and pace of how business is innovating, but also preparing us for that next pandemic because there's going to be another one. So how, what do we do now to make sure the next time it comes, we're better prepared? So do you think that the General Assembly actually finishes that last mile of funding for broadband to every rural community? We're talking to them about it. I mean, I don't know if we'll get it done right now in, in the short session that's coming up in May, but we're having good discussions with folks about what the long term looks like. So I think uh, I think you see some innovation coming in January in the longer session when you can have a longer time to, to debate it and make sure that it gets thoroughly vetted. As, as you described uh, public education, Gary, I couldn't help but think about higher education and, and how many folks have said that that the algorithm and the calculus around higher ed has always been complex and is mm -hmm. runaway cost in some cases. So, so do, does higher ed fit factor into uh, kind of the wild west now and a new funding model? What happens to public education? What happens, I'm sorry, public higher ed? Mm 
And what about private hiring? Is this a game changer for some of those colleges and universities? Uh, I think it actually helps them to go where they were trying to go eventually anyway. I mean, my daughter's a freshman at NC State and she finished her whole semester at home uh, with her classes. And and that looks differently, right? And they were already taking online classes. A lot of the universities, uh, public and private, were offering online. I think the privates were more nimble for, uh, for a lot of reasons. They converted to it a lot quicker. I think it's the future of higher ed is better. We can serve even more people. Now, if we can figure out how to make, get them connected in rural communities so that the best, the best physics teacher at NC State can be reaching kids all over the place, perhaps, perhaps it's not uh, campuses as much. Perhaps it's really nice buildings with really teched out rooms or someone in the western part of the state can go to NC State and never leave. So I think it gives them a great opportunity. And there's some really smart, innovative people over there that these learnings and these challenges we've had create an opportunity to put North Carolina on the fast track to really innovating and delivering education differently. You know, let's shift to healthcare. You know a little bit about healthcare. You've spent years at Glaxo, what was GlaxoSmithKline at the, at the time, public policy and government relations. So you know the interaction and the interface between healthcare and, co- and commercial and public, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Dr. Mandy Cohen, secretary of DHHS, was, was with us not long ago, and she was very clear about saying that North Carolina has been put at higher risk because North Carolina did not accept federal Medicaid dollars. Uh, a couple questions around this, Gary. Will North Carolina now, and I don't want to use the term relent, but would you expect that the General Assembly could rely on accepting those federal Medicaid dollars going forward? And what does it do for, in, in general, what happens to health care and the cost of health care in North Carolina? So I think there's two challenges, right? So for the foreseeable future, we've got to think about how we help folks that were working before that through no fault of their own lost their job from the pandemic, right? We're going to be looking at 20, 25% unemployment, uh, big, big numbers. And so where are the folks that, where is that 20% that was working before? Uh, where are they going to get their health care? And we're going to have to think through that carefully. Uh, I think the General Assembly will have uh, great debates about that. They're compassionate folks too, right? They're, they're, everybody's been touched by this in some way or fashion. I think we're going to have discussions that we didn't have before or different ways. You know, Medicaid was transformed. Uh, Medicaid was going through a process of having the private sector work uh, to to, uh, transform the existing Medicaid program to to have more checks and balances in place with it. I think that'll continue, that'll get sorted out. I think folks will find a way to make sure that people get the coverage they need in the near term. So uh, it's gonna be hard to tell uh, how much they'll expand. I mean, there's some estimates now, Chris, that uh, we're gonna go from where we were to the five or six billion dollar between uh, the rainy day fund and the unappropriated balance, five, six, seven million dollars, depending on how you look at it, to a four billion dollar deficit. So that's, and that's going in with the idea that, as you said, we already we had close to a two billion dollar, I'm sorry, a, a one billion dollar uh, surplus going in. Right. So we've, we've flipped considerably or some of the predictions right now. So uh, we've got to figure out where would the, where would the resources come from? Because when you take federal Medicaid dollars, it comes with an obligation to put up two, uh, a third of state dollars, too. It's not just take, they give you 100% money, and then you take it for a long time. So you've got to be able to figure that piece out. Unemployment insurance, you've got to be able to figure out because, you know, 25% unemployment, our trust fund, is going to get 
taken down pretty quickly. So when you look at all that together, and we haven't even talked about what's happening at DOT and how we destabilize DOT funding to build the infrastructure we need, and there's a, in, entire industries that are dependent upon that. So I, I think it's gonna take a comprehensive approach in that uh, we're gonna have to figure out how all those pieces come together and how do we do that in a way that's competitive and quicker than every other state so that North Carolina regains its position as a top place to start a business, expand a business, move a business, and raise mm -hmm. a family. So to follow the thread here, the natural thread takes us to the providers or, or the hospitals. Uh, even the largest hospitals have had a tough time with their short-term budgets, which could end up being mm -hmm. a tough time with a longer-term budget. But then we had smaller rural county hospitals that had tough funding issues already. Are we going to see some second wave of storm in hospital funding? Will it mean consolidation? How do you think that plays out? Yeah, you know, our health systems and health professionals, before I answer that, uh, we owe them a great, great attitude for, gratitude for what they've done over the last few weeks. I mean, our state would not be in a position it is now to, to recover and begin to go back, as we talked about earlier, if it wasn't for those folks on the front lines that were doing that. They've done great work. Uh, and, I, and I think they've learned, too. You know, we're working with the North Carolina Healthcare Association right now in a partnership where we'll begin to do two things. Every week, we'll begin to talk about what are the measurements in regions and counties and places of uh, hospital capacity, how much testing we're getting to begin to get a uh, better understanding. So the non-healthcare business community and the healthcare uh, providers and systems are talking about where we are so that they can be prepared should there be a surge. And then we're talking about what's the plan for the future. So I think that uh, healthcare systems, hospitals, providers, they learned a lot too, and we learned a lot with them. And together, the, uh, we can rebuild our communities in a, in a very meaningful way through looking at the same information, looking at the same data, mm -hmm. having deeper relationships where if a business or a community is having difficulty calling in a health system and saying, okay, here's what we're seeing. Are you seeing the same data? Yes, okay, here are the steps we need to take to, to keep us healthy. And in the long term, that'll keep the health systems healthy. And we want them healthy because if the health system is healthy, that's a key competitive advantage for employees and the families in, the, in that state. So uh, I think they learned and, and the rest of the business community has learned and together we're going to put a nice plan together. Gary, Gary, final question. And I know it's not a small one, but what, what do we have to, what do we exactly have to get right? One or two or three things that we have to get right in reopening. Uh, number one is I, we have to make sure and, and continue to put the safety of our people first. So employees, their families, safety has to be first. So the protocols are there already. CDC, OSHA, uh, DHHS has them on their website. And uh, industrial hygienists at the larger companies have, have them in place for those and they're sharing them with us. So number one is safety. That's what, And number two is we have to have a plan. We have to have a plan that says, if this happens again, if we have a public health, if we have a natural, if we have, heaven forbid, a, a security disaster, what are the things we're watching for? And what are the things we're going to do together should that happen? So plan for how you're going to act, know how you're going to act, and know how you're going to rebuild before anything ever happens. So uh, the second part of our relaunch plan was how do we build business resiliency together in a collaborative way across industries with our healthcare community and with our, with our government to say the business community collectively believes here's how we do things. Um, you know, Director Sprayberry 
uh, and our emergency management folks are the best in the country with it. Now we have to take their learnings and apply it to a broader sense. And the business community has to engage in a way that says, yes, yes, no, no, we tried this over here and it worked really well. And we got to have more transparency in what this plan looks like. So safety first and then a plan so that when and if this comes again, we know what we're going to do, how we're going to tackle it, how we're going to recover. Gary, we are uh, uh, grateful for your realistic optimism. You are, uh, like many of the leaders across North Carolina, uh, probably have the job at exactly the right time. And we certainly thank you for taking time this morning. It's always a pleasure, Chris. I, I look forward to grabbing dinner next time I'm in Charlotte. I, I have always enjoyed that. Gary, uh, okay, we're, we're clear. Th 